Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you are a new listener, the PK Podcast is a community-inspired conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the $20 billion promotional products business. My name is Mark Graham, CEO of Common Skew, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Danny Rosen, president of BrandFuel. And we are joined today by Jason Lukash, one of the co-founders of industry supplier, Org Audio. Founded in 2009 by Jason and his business partner, Mike Zimzak, Org Audio makes a wide range of branded audio products. Early in their careers, Jason and Mike traveled constantly and wanted an easy way to listen to music while on the road. It was during their travels that the idea for Org Audio came about as they recognized the need for a portable solution for listening to music on the go. Inspired by a Chinese takeout box, foldable, easily compactable, and recyclable, the Origami of Audio was born. Three months after launching, Origadio was named to Time Magazine's 50 Best Inventions of 2009 list and appeared on ABC's Shark Tank, thus gaining worldwide recognition for the company. And in 2013, Jason was named Entrepreneur Magazine's Entrepreneur of the Year, as well as being included in Inc. Magazine's 500 Fastest Growing Companies list. I will say, Jason that Danny and I are certainly not worthy to be speaking to you today. Welcome. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I would say, likewise, you guys are promo kings. I'm a promo jester. <laughs> I like it. We've never heard that before. Um, I just made it up. Well, there you go. Well, there'll be a lot of making up of stuff on this podcast, I can assure you. So, um, well, I, I, I tell you what, you, usually we like to ask um, our guests to just bring us in, uh, to, to tell us about the origins of the company. And I know that I did that in the introduction, but maybe, well, speaking about the origins of the company, speaking about some of the difficulties and roadblocks that you encountered, Jason, as someone that was starting a new a new business and, and, and how you overcame them to achieve the success you've seen today. Yeah, I was actually just talking to someone about this. It's like the stuff they don't teach you in school, right? Like I've learned more in five years of doing this than most people learn probably 40 years working. So it's, it's kind of crazy actually. And I mean, there's a lot of roadblocks along the way, more or less, uh, you know, figuring out the promo industry and then, we're a unique supplier where half our business is retail and half is promo. So figuring out the whole retail industry, man, that the retail industry is a hot mess. Yeah. Um, so there was many hiccups and roadblocks along the way in that sector, but kind of interesting. I mean, I never thought I would be doing this. I'm a marketing person. My partner, Mike, is a marketing person. We're two marketing guys that own an electronics company, which is kind of weird, but yeah. it's the way we differentiate ourselves and, you know, our, the product marketing and the products that help, uh, set us ahead of the curve in both industries that we're in, but it's crazy, man. It's insane. I learn something new every day, and it's all about small business, you know, overcoming obstacles. All we're doing is putting out fires every day. I'm a professional <laughs> firefighter, I think. But, um, yeah, crazy. yeah, exactly. Now, you mentioned the split between your businesses. Is it is it literally 50 promo and 50 retail? Uh, now it's actually probably 60 promo, 40 retail because retail sucks. Um, so it used to, if we were having this you know, podcast two years ago, it would be 70 retail, 30 promo, but we're putting a lot more money and time into promo because I love the promo industry. It's, it's so much better than retail. 
so for people that are listening to, to this, like why why does retail suck and promo like why is it awesome? Like I think I know the answers to it, but I, I'm curious <laughs> like other suppliers might be listening to this going, I might want to get into the retail business because there's so much cachet there. Like what like why does it suck and 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 uh uh and, and what what is it about promo that makes it that much more attractive for you as a supplier? We could probably have it. A 24-hour podcast of me just bashing retail, so I'll give it like, <laughs> quick and bashing specific retailers like Bed Bath and Beyond, who's absolutely terrible to work with. But anyway, yeah. they're not uh, listening here today, by the way. So <laughs> I hope they are. Call me <laughs> Bed Bath. Um, you still owe me money, but uh, uh-huh. so for that exact reason. So promo, you know, if we're doing a custom printed job, it's a 50% deposit, right? In terms of, I'm just talking dollars and cents now. It's 50% deposit because if brand fuel backs out of you know doing a thousand uh, you know stock building supply speakers, I don't want to be stuck with a thousand stock building supply speakers. Not that they ever would, because brand fuel's a great company. Nice plug for Danny there, but um, <laughs> you know it's quicker payment terms. It's you move more volume. Um, it's uh, it's faster. It's more unique. I feel like promo actually drives retail also, which is kind of interesting, but. Retail, for example, Bed Bath & Beyond, uh, net 90 payment terms, which mm. is terrible. And Nickel and Dime, yeah, there's advertising fees, warranty exchanges, co-op, mm-hmm. uh, MDF. Yeah. All the terms that people listening might not know, they're all just a bunch of BS that's involved with retail. Right. Um, from a business owner's perspective, it's not just net 90 days on payment terms. I'm still putting out cash for almost 150 days because... You know, it takes 30 days to make, 30 days to ocean it in, and then another 90 on top of that. So floating million, million and a half dollars in terms of retail, it's not worth it. It's not worth the headaches alone. So last year we turned away almost a lot of our retail business, which was a couple million dollars off the books. But, dude, it's so much worth it. It's just the headaches alone, I'm so glad we're focusing more of the time on promo. It's just it's so much better. I'll ask I'll ask one uh, one one last question about retail and then and then uh, turn it over to Danny for a second. But it, it's interesting to me when you you, uh, you talked about the relationship between retail and promo, and if I, if I heard you correctly, you're saying that promo drives retail as opposed to the other way around. Did I hear that correctly? It's both actually, and I mean a lot of people for promo or a lot of people in the promo industry care about, so where can I find this stuff, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think it's it's unique where we can say that we were in Bed Bath & Beyond and we sell to like Urban Outfitters and Amazon yeah. and stuff like that, but it's interesting when a lot of people do get promo, some of our pro- promo products, we're different than most suppliers where we're selling the same stuff for promo and retail. We are, I'd like to say, we're established as a retail company that is in the promo industry. So we're not making just cheap China promo speaker crap, right? It's yeah. high perceived value. It is at retail. Um, but the interesting thing is for promo, all of our stuff is branded no matter what. Everything we make has our logo on it because it's the same exact product. Yeah. So a lot of times, a lot of um, people might get a promo product, you know, like a Michelin tire speaker, and they might be a buyer at a store and contact us and say, hey, I got this Michelin thing. Are you, do you sell wholesale also? So it's, it kind of works both ways. It's, it's interesting to that. And those instances have happened to us as a business. So I'd like to think it comes both ways where promo does drive retail, but also, I mean, to further that, retail does drive promo also. Hmm. That's good stuff. Um, 
let's talk a little bit about, um, since we're talking about retail, it's interesting to me because I, I feel like our industry does a pretty good job of bringing um, new products to market. So there's been a, seems like, feels like there's a resurgence in R&D. Um, there's, there's, you know, people aren't worried about all the stuff on the shelves. I know everybody is. Inventory is a big challenge. Uh, we'll talk about your on-demand uh, tools in a bit, but um, it feels like there's there's a little more excitement around product and some investment there. And you guys have done an incredible job getting new products to market that no one's ever seen before. And so um, there's opportunity there for suppliers to uh, do distributors some favors by by doing what you guys are doing, bringing great stuff to market to allow us to sell product and sell more stuff, brand our clients better, make more money. Um, but you guys, you didn't go down um, the path that I think a lot of people do in terms of bringing a product to market. Um, you know, everybody looks at crowdsourcing, uh, Kickstarter, Quirky, Indiegogo. You know, what can you do to bring some new idea uh, to the marketplace? Um, one of the ways that you guys got recognized was the Shark Tank experience, and right. I, I think I think listeners want to hear a little bit about that. And and when you and I met in North Carolina you gave it, me a little bit of information on um, sort of behind the scenes of what really goes on with Shark Tank, if you can share any of that um, in yeah, mid-cluster sure. fashion. But, but bring on that experience. I think it was just really interesting. Yeah, um, so the behind the music story. Um, yeah, so Shark Tank called us to come on the show. Um, they saw our product on Time Magazine's 50 Best Inventions of the Year list, and they called us to come on the show. Um, when they called us, there had only been one season of Shark Tank, so I, frankly, I never really watched the show. A couple of people in my passing were like, hey, you guys should like check out the show Shark Tank. So they called us, and uh, I immediately you know, Googled it and saw primetime television, 8 o'clock, Friday night, ABC, and uh, we didn't need an investment at the time. Uh, the company's all been self-funded from money that Mike and I have raised, um, or Mike and I had saved from you know our old jobs and stuff, but... So plus you were, you were working in a garage for a while there too. That kept overhead sort of low, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were working out of a garage slash home office slash pizzeria right. in Chicago. Um, and uh, so Shark Tank called us, and we didn't need an investment, but being a marketing person, primetime TV for sure. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Need, we need it. Yeah, we need venture capital. Um, so we went on the show, and um, our goal going in there was to make it as good for TV as possible. Uh, we wanted to ensure that our episode was going to be, you know, actually aired because they film more um, companies than, you know, episodes that are aired because they never know how, you know, stuff's going to turn out when you're in the studio. So we made it good for TV, and they decided to put it on air, uh, which was great. We uh, purposely, um, at the same time, launched a new generation of the product that we wanted to show with called the Rocket into the promo industry at the same exact time and kind of used the leverage from the show to help sell more product in the industry as well. Um, so it was cool. I mean, we didn't take the investment that we got on air. Uh, we never took the investment in real life. We didn't need to. We just solely wanted to show for publicity. But um, Star Trek is a gift that keeps on giving. You know, a lot of companies and people in the promo industry recognize us from the show, recognize the product specifically from the show, because no one recognizes our ugly faces. But um, the product specifically, you know, has that wow factor that the producers on the show were looking for, but also a lot of the distributors in the promo industry, it's so easy to sell the rocket. I mean, if you can't sell the rocket, you should not be doing sales. It's, it's such an easy product. It's a product you stick to anything, and whenever you stick it to, it turns the whole object into a speaker. 
So for promo, we made a new generation of it that was flat on one side so we could print it digitally with no minimum, no setup fee here in the States and launched at the same time in the industry of when our episode aired. And it was just it skyrocketed. It, it, it's been insane. It's been our best-selling product for retail, but also probably one of our fastest-selling products in the promo industry. But we contribute that to Best of Shark Tank, I think, and they re rerun our episode and they uh, you know did a follow-up on us as a follow-up package on us the next season. So Shark Tank is a gift that keeps on giving, and uh, it's really, really helped our sales out. Congratulations. Thanks. Jason, you, you said at the beginning that you and Mike are, are product marketing guys more than you are um, promo people. And yeah. I, I thought that was a really interesting thing to say because I think in our industry – our industry is, is, or at least on the supply side, is made up primarily of promo people. And there's nothing, there's not, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, but what I define right. by a promo person is someone that is really good at sourcing product from offshore, bringing in container loads of, of product, and then decorating, uh, decorating that product from inventory in North America and then selling it to a range of distributors. And right. uh, then, and and then they go and they produce these big catalogs, and then send them out to all their dealers and distributors, and and uh, rinse and repeat, and go to all the big trade shows, and put ads in Counselor Magazine and PBB. Um, right. And 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 none of which I'm knocking at all, because I think that that they wouldn't continue doing it if it wasn't successful. Um, right. it, at least for those kinds of suppliers. And I look at a guy like you. Um, that is very web savvy and has gone about this from a product marketing perspective. Um, what, I mean, what advice would you give to a new supplier that's trying to break into this crowded industry that we're in right now in terms of how they go to market? Um, would, would you have like yeah. two or three top tips if I was like this 25-year-old guy that said, listen, all, I, I want to sell pens into the promotional products business. I hear it's a $20 billion business. How do I get into this? Um, exactly. You know, what would you do? Um, yeah, for sure. So first pieces of advice, don't sell pens. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, uh, the biggest piece of advice I have for someone in the industry, I mean, I love the promo industry. Like, it's like I said, it's way better than retail. I, I really like dealing with, and the people in the promo industry are a hell of a lot more fun than the people in retail. So yeah. that's a major selling point. But uh, I would do exactly what we did, which was do everything the opposite of all the other suppliers in the industry because mm -hmm. it's a very old school industry. We we didn't want to be like all the other suppliers. I'd like to think we're a little edgy. We're a little fun. Um, not to say there aren't other suppliers like that, but we just wanted to do things the opposite. We didn't want to have minimums. We didn't want to have setup fees. We didn't want to have like two to three week turnaround time. And we just said, screw all that. Let's do it the opposite way. And you know, the first time when we had our first like booth at the PPAI show, people like would walk by and almost do like a double take, like, is this for real? Because we had it blasted up all over our backdrop. No minimums, no setup fees, no art fees. And actually, we said no. BS too. I don't know if we can swear on the show, but no BS. And um, people looked and they're like, what? Is this for real? And then it caught, a lot of people caught wind of it and it started helping in our favor because people liked the fresh breath of air that we were providing in the industry and that we were doing things differently. So if there was one piece of advice that I had to give, it would be that to do things the opposite. Yeah. But also figure out how to do it and how to brand yourself differently. You don't want to be just another promotional pen supplier. You want to be that 
cool, unique promotional pen supplier that people are like, man, they got some kick-ass pens over there. So <laughs> it's difficult to put my you know finger on my nose and say it's this, but I would just say do things completely the opposite of how a lot of the other suppliers are doing it. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm also interested in the operational side of your business because I I'm going to make a guess here, and you can confirm it or deny it. Uh, is that my my suspicion is that you've got a quicker um, a quicker inventory turn, and you have a lot of real time uh, data on how your products are selling. So that's going to influence what it is that you go and order. So that way, you're not going and ordering like seven container loads worth of product and bringing in and hopefully and hoping it's going to sell. Um, what? Yeah, one hundred percent correct. And you can come work for me because you get the bigger picture, and that's exactly what we're doing too. We're man, I am looking for a job. I'd love to work for you. <laughs> I probably can't, Can I, I can't afford, no, I can't afford either of you, unless you both want to work for one person's salary. <laughs> Sorry, Danny, go ahead. Uh, um, no, but, uh, yeah, it's exactly that. We're not, I learned this at working at Jansport. Jansport would make a ton of different backpacks and patterns and prints and hope that they would sell. I mean, Jansport flopped big time on this one, like, hideous purple backpack when I worked there, and got stuck with, like, 20,000 purple backpacks. Ugh. So. We, uh, Mike and I look at this and it's real-time data. It's what's selling, how much more of that product that's selling do we need to bring in. And, you know, it's the hardest thing with the promo industry is you can't forecast demand. Mm -hmm. But we, all we're doing is bringing in blank product, blank white product, and then finishing and printing and embellishing it here in the States so we have different color options, different colorways, different prints, different patterns. Yep. And all I really have to do is just keep bringing in the same blank product and figure out, you know how much of it's selling per month in the industry, how much of it's selling in retail, and then just run a calculation and just make sure, you know, the product keeps coming in on the boats, and that's how we're doing it. Interesting. So, how about a question um, that's a little more on the um, sales-oriented side? So, I'm, I'm thinking there are a bunch of distributors that are listening that want to sell your product. They they recognize that it's cool and hip and and unique, um, but let's. I, let, let me take a step back. When I was walking the show floors at the PPI Expo in Vegas this year, and and all the you know ASI Orlando shows, and and checking out all the new stuff, it seemed like uh, this season's carabiner polypropylene bag, this season's koozie, the new hip cool thing, is isn't any of that stuff. Thankfully, it's it's a power bank. Um, yeah. yep. you know, people are talking about tech products. I mean, what is the new tech gizmo? And, um, and power banks seem to be one of those things where every iteration on the floor, every price yep. imaginable, it was it was sort of daunting now. And so I think about some of our sales reps, our team going to Sage or ESP and doing some research on power banks. And how are they to know, educate us on what we need to look out for, the good and the bad and the ugly? Excellent question, Mr. Rosen. And let me drop, drop some power bank knowledge on you guys. So a lot of people think when they sell power banks is, the bigger the number, the better, right? Like, I want that 6,000 MAH. A lot of people don't even know what MAH stands for. People in the industry have been calling them MAHs. They're not MAHs. They're MAH, which stands for milliamp hours. Um, but the number does not matter. I could have a 10,000 MAH battery, and I would could sell it a lot in the industry. I could sell it for cheap, but it's the quality of the battery is what matters the most. Um, the analogy I like to use, and I think it's a pretty crappy analogy, but um, 
Would you rather have a Rolls-Royce with a two-cylinder engine that might look nice, it might break down, it might get you there, you never know what's going to happen, but it'll look nice, or would you rather have a Toyota with a V12 that's going to last 200,000 miles? It's a Toyota, but it's going to get you there time and time again. It might go a little faster, too. So, Mark, which one would you rather have? I would rather have one with a stronger battery, my friend. And Danny? I'll have the Rolls Royce. <laughs> well, I I'm kidding, man. Ride, I won't ride in the car with Danny then. Um, I'm kidding. I'm yeah, kidding. I know. I know. Um, yeah, it's the quality of the battery that matters. So we use um, polymer cell batteries, which are really good quality. We use Samsung grade batteries. So they, um, you know, they pass all the certification testing that Samsung would use to put them in their phones. You might pay a little more for our power banks, but the quality is what matters most. Um, we have an ion cell one, but it's a still good quality one. The biggest thing I think that a lot of promo suppliers, I won't name names, but some of the other suppliers that rhyme with the name like reeds and beads and beads, um, <laughs> still are, um, they're just cheap China batteries. They are in aluminum casing. You don't want to put something that uh, conducts heat in something that is cased in aluminum because aluminum does not cool. Ours are cased in plastic hmm. because plastic cools. So hmm. a lot of those cheap power sticks and uh, you know power banks on the market that are shaped like lipstick tubes and whatnot, they're they're not good quality batteries. I mean, be careful if you're selling them. You can come to us and pay a little more, but it, but it depends on what your client wants. I'm not trying to hard sell you on our stuff. It, it depends on what your client's budget is. If your client's got the budget, I'd go for a better quality battery because that is what matters the most compared to the size of it. That's really helpful. The um, the education around that, I, I think that's that's an area where um, sales reps in our industry can continue to learn and, and advance not only their knowledge and their uh, the sales experience and obviously the end user's experience. You know, buy this you know twenty dollar item and, and it may only work for you know six six to twelve months. Buy this thirty five dollar item and it and it could last for four years and you get four times exactly. the amount of dollars. So. I think it advances the industry as well, and we start talking about that to our clients in a, in a really educational fashion. Um, right. Yeah, so I had one other question for you about uh, maybe from the salesperson's perspective. You guys sell uh, a really cool on-demand, or don't sell, you, you offer an on-demand um, store platform. You've talked a little bit about it already. Maybe, um, maybe share with us why that's unique, how easy or hard that is to sell um, to an end user, um, and, and, and sort of why you got into that space. Yeah, really good question. So um, we do a lot of business with the online store folks, a lot of the distributors out there that have online store accounts because we make it as easy as possible. Um, how our system works compared to a lot of other people out there is we've perfected this system because we're doing it with Basil.com, which is one of the biggest on-demand sites in the world. Actually, they are the biggest. Um, so how... It works for Zazzle. You go on Zazzle.com, you upload your picture of you and your kids, and we print and ship it within 24 hours on the speaker, right, anywhere in the world. Um, so we looked at a lot of the people doing online store programs and distributors in particular. Um, they're stocking, you know, some inventory, holding inventory on a couple of T-shirts and pens and cups and koozies or whatever, and uh, hoping the product sells. You know, stock building supplies, web store. Uh, takes a turn for the worse and doesn't sell product. They get stuck with 
a thousand stock building supply koozies. I'm not saying that would ever happen, but just as a, an example, we uh, we looked at the web store business and we said, you know, let's do it exactly how we're doing with Zazzle. Let's offer a lot of distributors the opportunity to put pictures up on the web. You send us your artwork. You don't even have to lay it out. We will 3D render it on a set of headphones, on a speaker, on a power bank, or whatever, and give you a high-res JPEG. That high-res JPEG then goes in your online store for you know Stock Building Supply or Blue Cross or whoever. And when an order comes in, we will literally print and ship that one piece order anywhere in the world for you within you know 48 to 72 hours. Interesting. So it's literally a virtual inventory system where you don't have to worry about selling your Blue Cross Blue Shield headphones, just put the picture up there. And if it sells, great. You know, we will process and ship that one-piece order. We bill monthly. It's it's different. There's not a lot of suppliers that are doing this. And this is the way the world's changing. This is the way the industry is changing. It's, yeah. it's going to be unique and different. And the suppliers that aren't doing this and not offering the no minimum, no set of fee faster and stuff, they will be obsolete in 10 years. And if they're not, I will not be in this industry. Because yeah. that's the way the world's changing. That that that's really interesting. What you're doing with Zazzle, so you're you're using their API to um, to process the orders, and then the orders then go through to your office in Orange County, as opposed to the Zazzle warehouses wherever they happen to be. Correct. So you're using yeah. their backend technology to then power your business. Like that's a really interesting. It's a really interesting idea because it, I the reason I. I was thinking about that is that Amazon is now, and we've talked about Amazon plenty of times in this podcast, has also got their fulfillment by Amazon uh, and warehousing by Amazon uh, service where if you're, if, uh, um, if you so desire, you could tap into their API and that your orders could then be flowing through your website, but it's actually powered by Amazon's fulfillment centers and they're doing all the the uh, the dirty work and then you're getting you know you're getting the business so it's it's I think this idea of a platform based culture is really transforming things and allowing guys like you that are not necessarily uh, swimming in capital like some of the larger right. suppliers to really make a name for yourself so I think that's profound yeah More common I like than anything. To think, yeah I like to think we are a small fish in a huge pond right I mean there's huge suppliers out there leads. Sinclair and everyone that everyone sees their big 50 foot booths, right? But we're small fish in a big pond, big pond. But we're that cool looking fish, like with the afro, the multicolored one that like swims by a couple times. Where you're like, dude, what fish is that? We're mm. getting noticed in the industry for what we're doing differently, yeah. and the industry is changing. And these other guys got to get on board with it because the distributors want things like what we're offering, and we're yeah. noticing that, you know. How do you? So, yeah. Uh, or I'll, I'll just uh, one one question here from from me. Uh, switching gears a little bit. Um, there's so many interesting things that you're saying here. I mean, you're right. We could continue on for hours. <laughs> uh, so we, we we should definitely have a, a version two of this at some point in the future. <laughs> um, what? So it, it's interesting to hear you say that you're that uh, you know you're the supplier that's different, and you turn heads, and you're and you're different than the more traditional suppliers that have got the fifty foot boots in in Vegas. Um, and while that's great, this is a traditional business, and traditional right. businesses are full of a lot of people that don't like to change. So right. how did you navigate that? Uh, how did you navigate that at the beginning where you've got distributors that are walking by going, hey, 
Danny, keep it down there. Come on, buddy. No, sorry. That's <laughs> crazy. We, the good thing about working here is you can bring your dog to the office, and this is my crazy golden retriever that's chasing the delivery guy right now. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, I... <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm kidding. It's great. He, we should get him. We should get him a mic as well. Um, what what I was uh, what what I was just finishing off there is that how did you navigate? <laughs> hey, sorry, man. Keep it down. Keep it down. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man, I can't even concentrate on what the hell I was saying. Uh, I'm so a beer over here in California. <laughs> it's all good. Well, it's three hours later for us, so you know we've got more of an excuse to do so. Um, the the my, really the end of this question is: so you're you're young and you're cool and you're progressive and you're different, yet how do you navigate uh, breaking into a very traditional industry where people are going to look at you and say, uh, "I like you guys, but I'd still rather do business with Leeds because I know Leeds is not going to screw up my order," whereas you. <laughs> Uh, you know, if you're here for three straight years, then maybe we'll talk then. So yeah. how, how did you sustain yourself um, given question. that climate? Excellent question. Okay, so this is our fifth year, so we're good, right? We've been here for one three years. So you can send us the orders, we'll take them. Um, yep. But it's more or less we're aligning ourselves with the distributors that get it. And there's people that we – Frankly, we won't work with because they're not the people we want out there selling our products for us. So yep. Yep. we actually do turn away business, which a lot of suppliers don't because they just want to just make stuff all day. So we're more or less trying to find those distributors out there that get the bigger picture. They're the people that we want walking into a meeting with our bumpster or our rocket and are going to go out there and sell it and be successful in doing so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so I like to think we're a little more selective on our side, but also we do – I mean, we're traditional in the sense where we do the process exactly like how other people do. We've got our proofing process down. We've got our in-house salespeople that cater to different accounts in parts of the country. So we we have that part down, and we are able to operate like a leads or you know with some of the bigger suppliers. But we are, frankly, like we're going after those guys that we want out there selling our products, the brand fields of the world, the omni sources of the world, you know, the companies that get the bigger picture, and you know, we'll be efficient in selling. So. There's this great book that I read uh, a while ago. I would say one of the best business books that's out there, even though it's written more towards technology-oriented companies, is called Crossing the Chasm by uh, someone named Jeff Moore. I'm not sure if you've read it, Danny or or, um, or Jason, uh, but if you haven't, I'd, I'd put it on your, your, your list. And what he talks about is how – his examples are really more technology-focused, but you can really – think about it in, in, in the context of really any business. And the whole idea is how new companies, new products, new services are able to, quote, unquote, cross the chasm. So you start off, you're new, no one knows you, and then um, and it talks about this journey from like going from the early adopters and the enthusiasts and then how they speak to each other and you've got this foothold and then you then have to leverage the early adopters to then cross the chasm into the big market. And the, right. the people in the big market are often the ones that will walk by you and, and, and take your catalog and go, great, but talk to me in three years once you've done business with this person, this person, this person, this person, because you're not going to get into our shop until you've proven yourself. And so it's a real right. conundrum. It's a brilliant book um, and, and talks a lot about I would about love it. to buy it if I can figure it out because I'm in Amazon. I can't figure out how to spell chasm. 
<laughs> C-H-A-S-M. There you go. Okay, there we go. Okay. <laughs> we, we can put a link up to it on the podcast. Uh, but anyways, that's more of a comment. Well, appreciate it. Yeah, and I mean, we are working with a lot of those very traditional distributors, and they do a lot of business with us. But from my standpoint, I love working with the big dogs, too. Um, the one thing I've noticed is a lot of the distributors are and the ones that we want selling our products are the ones that get it and are more proactive than reactive. A lot of the people that are very traditional and like working with a lot of the traditional suppliers in the industry just want to be selling what was popular last year. They don't want to jump on board with the new stuff because it's scary for them, yep. which we all three of us, I think, would agree upon. But um, So we do sell to both. I mean, we're fine with selling to a lot of very traditional people, but the one thing I've noticed, those traditional people just want to sell what's been consistently been selling great, not what's new and latest and greatest. Yep. They are used to just jumping on it you know, a little later. Yeah. Hey, since you're, uh, you're talking about latest and greatest, um, I know you just came off of a – a nice little tour in a in a small town called Austin um, <laughs> at, at South by Southwest with um, every cool thing that ever was or could be, and um, and we had a bunch of friends down there, um, you know, clients and and people from the industry. But from from your perspective, I know you went down there in the retail mode. Um, what are the things that you saw? And then also tell us about your experience uh, in the retail mode. Yeah. Um the one thing I took away from being at South by Southwest is that the future is going to be pretty freaking awesome. Um, with a lot of the 3D printing technology, I saw people from Japan bring exoskeleton suits, kind of like Iron Man. The future, I'm pretty excited for it. I mean, I'm 30 years old, so I'm stoked to see what's going to happen 10, 15 years from now. But um, it was interesting. I mean, the one thing I've noticed, uh, we were there next to Mofi who is probably one of the biggest power bank and case companies in the world um, selling power banks. Um, we brought uh, our energy pack and our juice box, which are our two power bank models that we sell. Um, people were buying Mophie cases for $100. Mophie makes power banks. They're great. Um, they're good quality. However, they're specific to your phone. They're, it's a case, you know, so it's specific to your iPhone. Um, they didn't come pre-charged. And, uh, you know, they had sold a lot of stuff in the last couple of years at South by Southwest, and we noticed that. So we signed up to South by because we noticed and know from going to South by Southwest, everyone's on their phones, everyone's out and about all day. People can physically not charge their phones because there's no outlets anywhere. It was literally like selling crack to crackheads because we sold so much product, it was insane to the point where we sold out after the first day and a half selling our chargers for 30 bucks. We discounted them because... For us, it was almost a marketing opportunity. We wanted our product and all the influencers and the trendsetters that are at South by Southwest um, hands. We sold out in a day and a half. We had to have someone take the red eye from L.A. and fly with six cases of product just so we could keep up with the demand for the um, portable chargers because they're super useful at South by Southwest. And one thing that I think from a promotional standpoint is any brand that's going to South by Southwest in the future, it would be an excellent promo item to have or give out or sell um, down there because everyone's on their phones and there's nowhere to charge them. So it was awesome. It was an awesome experience. We sold a ton of stuff. We did really, really, really well. But it showed us, since they're new products for us, that we learned from the PPI show that everyone loves them for the promo perspective, but this is our first real retail launch of them, and people ate them up too. So 
it was a good confirmation from myself as a business owner that what we're doing is right and what we're investing time and money in is the right decision to make. Well, what was what was the cool swag that was uh, that you saw out there other than obviously what you guys were hawking? Do you see anything that really blew your mind? I saw a company actually that was 3D printing with chocolate. That was pretty awesome um, because a lot of the 3D printers now just print with you know PP or types of plastic, but they were uh, feeding through um, chocolate with like a gelatin in it, so it would harden. Um, but they were printing different shapes of chocolate. That was pretty unique. That wasn't like really promo swag, but I think there could be a promo angle to it. Um, there was, I don't remember what company it was, but they were passing out like music, kind of like music survival kits, like with like hangover remedy pills in it, earplugs, earbuds. It was kind of a cool like South by Southwest inspired kit that they were giving out. Um, but otherwise I just saw a lot of like koozies and shirts. There was a company that was doing something different with shirts where they had shirts branded with their company logo on it. In order to get a shirt, you had to hashtag and show them the tweet either on Instagram or Twitter of their shirt and their company slogan. Um, and it was kind of a good way and a good on-site activation way to get actually the T-shirts. So um, uh, it's a marketing, it's a Super Bowl of marketing efforts. And I think there was a lot of really cool companies there, but we were, we were so busy, man. I didn't even really leave the booth. I didn't even pee one day until like 4.45 in the afternoon because we are so slammed. Uh, <laughs> but high class, good problem to have, I think. It is a high class, good problem to have, absolutely. Um, Jason, question for you about uh, staying, staying current and staying on top of trends. There was uh, someone that was... was had posted uh, a question about this uh, on uh, on one of the uh, industry social platforms uh, from a distributor, in fact, that said, "Like, where do you like? Where do people go to find out what's trending and what's new in the promotional business?" And mm-hmm. you know, I thought that was interesting. The distributor was asking that, and and you know, I'm sure that uh, he'll get his answers. But how do you? You're one step further up the chain than we are as as distributors like you're you're the person that's yeah. got to come to us with the cool things how right. do you, how do you stay cool and how and where do you look for inspiration uh when it comes to designing the products that you bring to market um frankly for me it's japan um yep. we sell a lot in japan we actually it's kind of weird we bring in product from asia we print it with awesome designs here in the u.s and then we ship it to japan so it's kind of backwards <laughs> that sense, but uh um, yeah. I go to Japan a couple times a year, and for us, it's very, it's all the latest and greatest, cool, hip, fashion, tech, everything comes from Japan, so that's where we get our inspiration. I think if I was a distributor, um, I think Pinterest is great, actually, for, like, really good, unique ideas to see what's trending in the promo industry. There's a lot of stuff that's pinned up on Pinterest that's related to promo products, so if I was a distributor, I would actually probably use Pinterest or Instagram, um, and if you don't know what either one of those are, I wish you the best of luck, but um, <laughs> <they're>, uh, <laughs> that's what I think is great to see what other people are doing. A lot of promo distributors, I think, are great about using social media and putting stuff up of what their cool, latest and greatest promo items are. I would be careful some distributors because there's people out there that are shopping ideas and taking stuff, but... Um, Social media is really great, I mean, in that sense where you can see ideas instantly. We're careful where we as a supplier will put up on social media, like, a lot of our custom printed stuff for the promo industry just because 
by the time it's up on social media, it might necessarily might 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 not be out in the world. So we're careful in that sense. But um, a lot of distributors put really great stuff up on social, so I would check that out for sure. But for me, I love Japan. Yeah, Danny, have you been to Japan? I have not, but uh, let's go. I'm ready. Let's man. go. Yeah. Let's go. I've never been. I've I've never been. You guys can come. Well, one of my you know one of my favorite movies is Lost in Translation. And oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Still do, you, Bill Murray. do you stay at that hotel, Jason, when you're there? No, come on, I can't afford it. Man. <laughs> Japan's crazy. Japan is crazy expensive. I use my hotel points whenever I go to Japan just because I don't want to pay a thousand dollars a night for a, a hotel room. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I've never, I've not been to Japan either. So, uh, but it, I can imagine from like a culture, um, culture perspective, it's just got to be fascinating, you know, on on so many levels. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Hey, Jason, what kind of uh, order volume would it take for uh, Brand Fuel or Right Sleep to pull in for you to uh, take us with you to Japan? Uh, I don't know. Give me like a 10-piece order, and then uh, you can come. And then, uh, no, I don't know. I mean, you guys are more than welcome to come. It's good. It's, it's, it's interesting from a business owner's perspective, too, to like shop the markets and see what's trending. And, yeah, I really like it, man. It's, it's great for inspiration. It's, it's cool. I really like it. But... You guys are more than welcome to come whenever you want. There you go. I'll, we'll come. You don't have to pay our flight. Don't worry about it. Uh, we'll 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 yeah, come and hang out. Stuff, be great. I might, if you sell enough stuff, you might. <laughs> there you go. Well, it'll be an incentive. <laughs> um, well, that's yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm just mindful of 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 your time, Jason. We probably have uh, you know I would I have say seven like minutes. Yeah, uh, we we have three or four. So there you go. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, Danny, uh, do you have uh, a last question uh, before we uh, allow Jason to have the last word? I think we let Jason have the last word unless you've got something, Mark. This has been uh, great. I just want to say thanks for um, for spending a little time with us, Jason, and uh, and sharing your story with everybody, and, and also say thank you for doing such a great job um, trying to reinvent uh, you know the market in so many ways and how it looks with new product, with quality product, with great design. Um, with tools for us to do better on the distributor side and probably push suppliers to be even better and up their ante because I think that industry, the air industry, really could could use that. So congrats and keep that up. Yeah. Thank now, you. And thanks for – oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to echo that. And, and you know, I, I've been really – my mind has been, you know, exploding while we've been speaking on this podcast here, Jason. And I think that um, the industry needs – more innovation. Um, there's a lot of really fantastic players that are in the business right now, uh, but I think that th- this business will continue to grow and grow quickly if we have more people like you at the table. Um, and what I mean by people like you is like this, this, this uh, um, a supplier that understand that deeply understands retail, yet doesn't yeah. suck when they come to promo. Like a lot of retailers do, and I use the word "suck" because you used it at the beginning. And the reason I say that is that there's, you know, a retailer, a retail line that says, "Hey, I want to go and tap into corporate sales," and they set up a booth at the PPI Expo, and then they're like, "What do you mean? You need this like now? Uh, you have to book three months in advance." And it's like you are wasting my time. Get out of here! And then you don't see them yeah. the next year. Whereas you guys understand it when Danny or I call you and say, "Jason." I need the Google logo printed within three days and had it and have yeah. it shipped to wherever. Then you're going to go. Yep, 
operators are standing by, and we need that. <laughs> the first question, whenever a supplier calls me, hey, I'm working on it, the first question I always ask, when do you need it? Because, yeah, yeah being like not in this industry, you have no idea on how quickly people need things. Retail, they forecast, they say, hey, we're going to order 20,000 products per month over the next year to start making your stuff. Promo is a whole nother two-headed monster that's evil, but awesome in the same way because yeah. everyone needs it tomorrow. Everyone wants a full digital logo, which is no problem for us, but it took time to learn that and get it right. So if you're interested in being a supplier and jumping into this industry, do your homework. Talk to other suppliers before you make the plunge, but it's going to be a sweet-ass plunge, and you'll be happy with it. There you go. We should make, we, we should make some speakers that say sweet-ass plunge on them. It's good. Yeah, actually, you know what? Ironically, I'll end with the best-selling design that we had at South by Southwest. We obviously print uh, predetermined designs on our speakers. The number one trending thing this year from South by Southwest for us was a speaker that said, "I'm a effing unicorn." So I will end with that because it's awesome to be an effing <laughs> unicorn. Yeah. Amen. I agree. Exactly. I love it. Well, listen, Jason, thanks so much for your time. I think the whole uh, Promo Kitchen community is better off because you're part of it. And uh, thanks so much. This won't be the last time that we'll be speaking to you. No problem. Thanks for doing Promo Kitchen, too. It's an awesome platform. And you guys are doing what we're doing just on the distributor side. So it could be different. Being different is awesome. Cool, man. Good. Hey, I have, an, I have a unicorn in my office, if you guys can hear it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it's got a, a nice big horn. Good stuff. Thanks, guys.